hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to episode 137 of the Childless Not By Choice podcast. My name is Savella Morgan. My mission is to recognize and speak to the childless, not by choice women and men around the world, reminding you, reminding us that we can live joyful, relevant, fulfilled, childless, not by choice lives. But whether you have children or not, thank you for tuning in. What is today's show about? In one word, it's about worth. What is your worth? But before we get to our show, in which, by the way, we have a guest, always excited when we have guests. I want to thank my Patreon contributors for all you do, your monthly contributions to the platform. You are truly appreciated and I'm grateful to your sticking in with me and being there monthly, listening, tuning in. And of course, you know, you can always reach out to me if you have any questions or suggestions. And that goes for everyone that tunes in. If you would like to become a patron, please go to patreon.com forward slash childless, not by choice, follow the steps to become a patron. And regardless of the level you join in, there is a free gift for you. Thanks again to my patrons. Sherry Johnson turned the pain of three miscarriages in six years of an infertility journey into a passion to inspire childless, not by choice women to live full, unconventional lives of meaning. She made the decision to use her coaching background to create a process for navigating the triggers. We all know about those triggers. She teaches her process in one-on-one -on -one coaching and in her membership program. Sherry says that women leave the program feeling empowered with practices they can use throughout their lifetime. And at the end of our discussion today, Sherry will tell you how to obtain a free gift she created just for you. Sherry, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sabella. Thanks so much for having me. I am excited to be here today. I'm so glad that you are here. And I can't wait for the listeners to hear all about you and your platform and how you are helping in the Childless Not By Choice community. So I'm Thank so you. glad you could make it. So let's jump right in. You say that many women, I know we're starting with a really heavy question here. <laughs> <laughs> you say that many women do not realize they are grieving. Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, you're really diving right in. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> Go deep, quick. Let's yeah. forget about the pleasantries. <laughs> so I think grief is a funny thing. It's something that we really associate with a loss. and it's very easy to identify when you've lost a person, somebody that you love and knew and, and miss, but when you lose a dream, it's, it's different. You don't necessarily associate that with grief. I didn't. And even after my, I, as you mentioned, I had three miscarriages. I didn't even really think I was grieving then. And I didn't think my grief was worthy. I thought you grieve, you get to grieve when you lose a baby mm -hmm. or when you lose a child or a father or a friend, when you lose something that you didn't even know a child you never met, how is that worthy of grief? So it had already come up for me after my miscarriages, but then again, in, on my childless journey, I just, I didn't realize that what I was feeling was grief or that I was allowed to feel that or express it. Does that resonate with you? 
definitely especially the aloud part (laughs) yes because you tell yourself and and maybe we don't all think this way but I know for me I told myself well you know there are worse things that can happen in the world or to me and you just keep thinking it could be worse and maybe maybe I'm just being weird and that's why nobody can resonate or understand what I'm talking about when I'm childless and wanted children so badly that I cried myself to sleep every night, but I never, I never recognized that it was grief either. Yeah. It's like we have this yardstick and, you know, our type of grief is down at the bottom. It's not, you know, it's not a big, it shouldn't be a big deal. It's real loss is when you lose a living person. Right. And, 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 Yes, like many of the listeners know, I lost my mom two years ago, who was my absolute best friend ever (laughs) on the Mm -hmm. planet, you know? And so I miss her dearly every day, every single day I think about her and I miss her and I'm grieving her. I mean, two years, some people may think, oh my gosh, two years, that's a long time. What's wrong with you? Other people totally understand that was the person, the first face I ever saw on this planet, (laughs) You yeah. Know? And so that, that was, and, and we got along, we got along really well. That was, I mean, some people don't get along with their moms and I'm sorry, you know, but I got along really well with my mother. We just, we have so many inside jokes that I can never share with anybody else. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. I think about them and they make me laugh and I could never say them to anybody else, but that's, that's one type of grief. Yes. But yeah, we should not minimize. Is, is that a word? Minimalize? <laughs> Uh, minimize yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's it's cold in florida and it's just cramping my brain here (laughs) (laughs) oh you should come to canada i can only imagine the weather up there but yeah it, you, you can't minimize the grief and the pain that you have from being childless it's a different grief but grief is still grief and it's still important absolutely yeah so mm-hmm. yeah, that made absolute sense to me. Now, another thing that, that we talked in the pre-show, we were talking about triggers. So this may be a little triggering to some people, but hey, that's what this podcast is all about, trying to get us through all of that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. You say that triggers can be a part of grieving. So how was that? Well, it's, I think we, that's a really good question, actually. I think we we forget that, grief can show up in many different ways. So it can, I mean, we're, we're used to it showing up as sadness, deep sadness in some cases, but it can also show up as anger or frustration or disappointment or hurt. All these other things can come out and it's all related to that grief. And we just don't realize it. And that's where I see triggers fitting in. And when I say triggers, I kind of, I think there's two types of triggers. There's, there's triggers that, that remind you of your, your loss. Those things that just bring back to, oh, I'm right back at the funeral or I'm right back at, you know, the, in the moment, but there's also triggers that don't necessarily trigger sadness. They trigger anger. And those are like hot buttons. And to me, those are the things like some examples would be just the questions. When are you having kids or do you have kids or someone who announces a pregnancy 
or you're sitting around a table with a bunch of your friends and all they can talk about is their children. Those are the things that tend to trigger anger or frustration or all those other emotions that we don't necessarily associate with grief, but they are, they're, they're linked back. They're showing us pain that we haven't yet healed from. That makes sense. Oh yeah. That's, that's really very interesting because yes, for some people, it just depends on where you are in the journey as well whether that very thing, that person showing up at the office, the new mother showing up at the office with her baby, is that going to trigger anger or is it going to trigger some other emotion just based on where you are in the journey? And again, here we go with minimizing again or minimalize, (laughs) minimizing again, the feelings that we have, because immediately some will say, oh, you're just jealous or you're just you know, why are you mad or upset that this person had a baby? But that, that's not what it is. It's seldom what it is. Mm-hmm. 99.999% of the time, we're not mad at the person or angry at the person because they have a new baby. We're angry if we want to use the word angry at ourselves or at life because we didn't get to have the baby or have that experience. It's not, we're happy for you. I always say this, we are happy for you as moms. We're not angry at you. We're not jealous. We're just maybe upset at how things turned out or did not turn out for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to, I don't know if if you want to spend some time getting into triggers a little more deeply, but the way that I look at a trigger, it's not, it's not the person who brings the baby into the office that is causing the pain. That person's triggering the pain. So it's our own pain. It's like, I like to, to use the metaphor. It's, it's like pressing on a wound. You know, you already have a wound that's there. Mm -hmm. If somebody presses on it, they're not causing it. They're just, they're reminding you that it's there and it still has healing to do. So it's not others that are causing it, but they're reminding you that it's there. And depending on where you are on your journey, as you said, that wound can be in various stages of healing. It might be, you know, scabbed over and someone is tearing that off or, you know, might might be almost healed. And it's, you know, that, that trigger feels like a pinprick versus a a blow in the gut. Right. Or or the heart. (laughs) Or the heart. Yeah. That's usually more what it feels like, isn't it? Right. But something you just said too, it, it depends on, on where you are. And we keep saying that to each other, basically, it depends on where you are in the journey. And I I always, you know, when I started out in my journey, I, of course, the wound was raw as all get out. It was, was I mean, that's where a lot of the listeners probably are right now. You're just like, is this ever going to stop hurting? Is it, am I ever going to stop feeling this way when I see a pregnant woman walking down the street? Am I ever going to figure out how to deal with this? The fact that I'm not going to have children and maybe they can't adopt or maybe, you know, whatever, for whatever reasons, because, you know, we are always asked, well, why don't you just adopt? You know, one of my pet peeve questions. (laughs) That's a trigger, right? That's one of our triggers. Exactly. (laughs) It's a big trigger because it's like, we, you don't know our story. You don't know what, what we can or cannot do or afford to do, even with financial assistance. Can we do it? And so we, I, I just don't know how we get across to society 
that it's just not okay to ask us certain questions or make certain suggestions, especially when they were not solicited. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, I it's it's a really interesting question because I have a little bit of a different view on that. The way that I look at all of those questions, those triggers, we can try to educate the world on how to be sensitive towards us, towards childless women. And I found the same thing after miscarriage we and in the fertility world as well. There's a tendency to want to educate or to, to bring awareness to everyone around us so that they stop asking those sensitive questions. To me, it's like playing a game of whack-a-mole. Do you know that game? Yes. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, you can educate one person and then there's going to be another person. Another, has, another, another 20 people. And another, right. It, it never stops. And it doesn't matter how much we educate or how much we raise awareness as as needed as those things are Mm -hmm. the healing comes when we when we focus on healing our pain and that was the big revelation for me once I actually found a way to heal from the pain the triggers went away it doesn't matter when someone asks me why didn't because now it's too late for me most people know you know, I'm, I'm 49. <laughs> um, most people know that I'm not going to adopt. So I get the question, why didn't you adopt? Right. Or do you have kids? Whatever those questions are, they still get asked, but they don't bother me anymore. And that is like, it's so liberating. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think that's the joy and the fulfillment and the, the feeling that I want the childless women out there to know is possible. Which kind of leads to my next question. But I, I also want to say before we leave this topic, unless you have more to say about triggers, because that could be a whole conversation, a whole episode on, on its own. I think I may have done one on triggers, I think. But you know, that's a that's a big subject. I really like that that you tell us that we can get to the place where those questions don't bother us anymore. We are all in different places. And I kind of wanted to say this earlier too. We can't be, and and that's not what either of us are saying, but we cannot beat ourselves up for where we are in the journey. And you can't rush yourself along the journey either. There's no rushing yourself along the journey. (laughs) Because you can find yourself right back where you left off if you try to push yourself through which is Mm -hmm. another thing to keep in mind. So, you know, if you're, if the, for somebody that's out there listening, who may be early in the journey and you're just like beside yourself with grief and wondering what's going to become of you, your life, you know, all of the stuff that we think about as childless women, I know some of us, because I'm a little bit older (laughs) than you are, we're thinking about what's, what are our elder years going to look like? For those mm-hmm. of us on the other end of the, the the age spectrum, from those just starting out in childlessness, we're wondering who's going to take care of me. That conversation comes up quite a bit. But I really want to remind us that as far as the who's going to take care of me question, having children doesn't guarantee you're going to have somebody to care for you. That's one end of the spectrum. And then True. on the just starting out spectrum, just know that you could get to a point that, like Shari said, where you can get to the place Believe it. Trust us. You can get to the place where those questions will not bother you as much as they're bothering you now. And maybe even to the point, like Sherry says, where they just don't bother you at all. So it it can happen. (laughs) 
Can I add something to what you were saying, Sibylla? You mentioned you can't rush yourself through that process. And I absolutely agree, especially when it comes to the sadness. You have to give your, yourself space and grace to just feel those emotions and allow them to work through you. But when it comes to the triggers, I actually think I wouldn't say rush it, but there are ways like what I found is that when I actually took some action towards my healing, I healed a lot quicker because I have heard of women who none of them are my clients, but they talk in, in online support groups and that kind of thing. And their grandparents or their, their grandmother, sorry, they have friends who are grandmothers and they are of the age when maybe they could have had children and, and grandchildren. They're now being triggered by all the grandmothers around them who are talking about their grandkids. Right. So it can go on for a very long time if you don't take some action towards that healing. And I guess what I'm saying is that time doesn't necessarily heal your wounds. Sometimes you need to actually do some of that painful, but very liberating work that will get you there to where you and I are. Do some work. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. I totally mm -hmm. agree. So yes, we, we have to do the work. And I think honestly, some of the work comes in listening to podcasts about childlessness. Yeah. And, you know, being a part of a community of childless, not by choice people. And um, that's work. So again, for those who are just starting out or those who maybe not just starting out, but haven't done much work, just know that even listening to podcast episodes about the childlessness aspect of your life, that is work. But Sherry's platform, and we're going to get into that a little bit more, Sherry's platform will help you with actual work other than listening to episodes and being part of the community, such as my next question for you. Tell us mm -hmm. about some of the tools that we can use to heal. I know in our pre-conversation, we talked about things like mindfulness and journaling and meditation, even nutrition you know, essential mm -hmm. oils, the Bible even. So tell us some more about those tools. Yeah, uh, I think all of those things came into play for me. And what I found in the spiritual community was that all of those things are used, but they're not necessarily, we're, we're not taught to use them in a way that's specific to healing from something like childlessness and taking the first few steps down that path and embracing the joy that you can find there. I started using them in a very deliberate way. And that was when I really started to feel the transformation. So meditation and journaling were, were big parts where I could really, you know, sit down with my journal and all these thoughts that were swirling around in my head and usually thoughts that were just kind of on repeat I could start writing in a journal and get those out in my journal with some targeted questions mm -hmm. to ask myself. And suddenly all this stuff would start to come out on the page that I didn't even know was in my head. And then I could sit quietly in meditation and ask God, ask the universe, you know, whatever language is, is your thing, your, your source energy, your higher self, I could just ask that source energy, how can I, how can I release this? Help me to release this. And just saying those words, showing that you're open to releasing that pain can help to do that. You mentioned 
nutrition and essential oils, nutrition. That was kind of how I started my journey down the, or my career down the wellness path. Nutrition is something that we sort of think of as a very physical thing. It's something that you do to lose weight or to get healthy, or it has like a purpose. And I started to look at it as a way to fuel my body and my soul. Same with physical activity, you know, getting it out into nature. It wasn't for the purpose of staying lean. It was to feel better and your physical and your spiritual and your emotional. They're all connected. Oh yeah, they are. So I've, uh, speaking of nutrition, just for a minute, I have lost about 10 pounds, I think over the past couple of weeks. And I, I know why I'm losing the weight, but I can tell you that since the weight has started coming off, I'm a, I'm a person of headaches and migraines and sinus headaches. You name the headache, I've had it since I was 11 years old. But I noticed as the weight was coming off that I had less headaches, even though if I went outside, my, my vehicle was covered with pollen, <laughs> you know, and yes, I would start mm-hmm. sneezing. And a lot of those headaches were, you know, sinus headaches and all of that. I was waking up with less headaches as I felt the weight coming off. And I started connecting the dots. I'm connecting the dots, you know? And so, like you said, nutrition, it's not just about being lean or, of course, you're going to lose weight. You're going to look, feel better and not weight shaming anybody. That's not what this is about. It's more that, you know, you know, as you drop the pounds, as far as me speak for myself, I'm feeling better in myself, in my mind and in my body. And yeah. so it's, I think nutrition is, is a really important part of, of this list. And I think they're all important. The mindfulness, I know we talked about mindfulness and I did a mindfulness episode not long ago and journaling. I'll let you talk more about them because I think they're all awesome. <laughs> the journaling is something that I developed a process around it all really. It was almost like once I started using them, I use them in a specific way, as I said before. So I would start with say a trigger and, you know, somebody asked me a question or somebody said something that triggered me. My mom, for example, at Christmas time, she wrote a text to the, me and my two siblings and said something to the effect of, well, Christmas is all about the kids. I kind of thought, oh, how does that make me feel? And and what I used to do (laughs) before I, before I discovered this process, I used to just get angry at her and say, Oh, it's all about my sisters and their kids. And they're more important than me. And I made that mean something about myself. Then I started to shift that perspective. I found that I could take that trigger and say, okay, let me write about what's underneath of this. Where is this coming from? I'd start journaling about that. And then that would lead to other questions. Like how, how does that trigger make me feel? And where is that emotion really coming from? And when have I felt that emotion before? Because quite often, this isn't the first time that's happened. It's happened before in adult life, but it's also happened probably way back into teenagerhood and childhood. Asking those questions and writing down what I found is that so often what's underneath of those triggers is this feeling of inadequacy, Mm -hmm. this feeling of I'm somehow flawed or I'm somehow not worthy. In this case, my mother is, is making me feel like I'm 
less worthy than my sisters because I don't have kids, but that's my self-worth. I'm responsible for building my Mm self-worth. So once I identified that, then I could start using some of these other things to build that self-worth back up. So essential oils, as an example, or, or nutrition, it doesn't even really matter. Healthy food, going out and getting exercise, using essential oils, giving yourself self-care, the, all of those things are that self-care. You won't do that. You won't do those things unless you feel worthy and deserving of all of those. So they're all interconnected. Eating well is going to make you feel worthy and feeling worthy is also going to make you eat better food because you're going to want to fuel yourself with better food when you feel you deserve to be healthy. So it's a cycle. It's kind of, it's like a chicken and egg scenario a little bit. Like, I don't know which one comes first, but it's a cycle. So practicing that cycle of worthiness, identifying those things through journaling and through meditation, and then practicing them through use of essential oils or your self-care routines or nutrition or getting out into nature. Those are Those are all ways of practicing your self-worth. Does that make sense? This is absolutely fabulous. And I I like how you say they're they're all interconnected and they are like the chicken and egg scenario. Not one is better than the other. They're needed. They're all needed together. And I really like that if we start practicing these things, which I know you're going to tell us more on how to do that. If we start practicing these things, We start feeling better about ourselves. And when the questions come or the triggers come, I just thought about like when you're inside of a bouncing ball and the things are bouncing off of you. Yes. I just imagined. Yeah. (laughs) Because, and and I know there may be some listeners who are thinking, I'm never going to get there, but I'm telling you, if you, it's the work, it's the work that Sherry talked about earlier, we have to do the work and tuning into the episode is the work. As I said before, uh, joining a positive group, like the Childless Not By Choice with Sevilla Morgan Facebook group, those are all great ways to start the work. But I'm telling you, just this little section here that we just talked on the tools that we can use that, that again, could be a whole other episode. This is great, great stuff, Sherry. Thank you so much for for just, you know, breaking all of this down for us. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, another thing that we spoke about before the recording, you said something that a lot of all of this is intriguing me, but this was intriguing too. You said that women seem to just be waiting to get better. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about what you meant by that? I actually alluded to that earlier in our conversation here. We wait for time to heal us. We've been told this all of our lives. I mean, when can you actually remember the first time someone said time heals all wounds? I can't. (laughs) No, it's been, yeah, since the beginning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we grow up with this idea that we just have to wait it out. My theory is that waiting it out, all that does is we just adjust to the pain. So to give you an example, I like to use going back to the physical wound scenario. Let's say you break your arm. You could just let that heal by itself and it will eventually heal. You know, it may not heal correctly. It may take a long time because it's not set properly, 
So you could let it heal by itself. It will kind of eventually heal and you'll adjust to the pain. If it doesn't heal properly, then you'll kind of set it aside, Voltaren or some sort of anti-inflammatory to keep the pain down. And you just sort of adjust to that. Or you could go and have it set and take some action towards healing that broken arm, put a cast on it, and it's going to heal much more quickly and it's going to heal properly. You know, in the case of allowing it to heal, what I think is we just kind of cover up that pain, bury it. You know, sometimes if you don't get it set right away, you have, have you ever heard of people who have to get their bone rebroken and reset? Oh. <laughs> it's like, you know, that can be something that we do emotionally as well. Like you actually have to break yourself open again mm-hmm. to get at all that emotion and allow it to release and reset. It goes back to our conversation about taking action towards your healing. When you do that, when you, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, you had Sarah Roberts on your last episode, whether it's going to some sort of counseling or therapy or coaching or listening to a podcast or joining an online Facebook group, or, you know, doing some of the things that I offer, whatever you do, taking some kind of action is going to help you cast that bone. It's going to help you to release all that emotion up front so that you're not bearing it and and just adjusting to it. This is just really great information. This is just, I mean, I keep saying it, but it's really fabulous. It's, it's helping me. Oh, good. (laughs) It's all stuff that helped me. (laughs) Of course. And I, I know that means that it's helping listeners out there as well. And so this is just really, really awesome. And I can't wait for this episode to air. But in the meantime, before we get to the gift you have for us, I want to give you the opportunity to just give us some final words as we close out this episode. Just tell us some things to help us through this year. You know, I think the number one thing I would say is just close your eyes and say, I'm open to healing. I'm open to whatever solutions come my way. Simply opening yourself up to the multitude of solutions that are out there. I feel like it's going to bring the right one into your hands. I think so many of us, myself included, we kind of go through life, just everyone's giving everybody else advice and we tend to shut down and just think I I just need to handle this by myself because nobody gets it. But when you just turn that perspective around and say, I'm open to the healing that's meant for me, that's going to come. You're going to like, something is going to happen and that the right podcast is going to land in your feed or the right post or the right person is going to stand in front of you and, and have what you need to get through what you're going through. That's awesome. And so the key is to be open, to be open to healing. Yes, exactly. That's wonderful. So tell us, you know, before you tell us about the free gift, and I know we didn't discuss this pre-episode, tell us about the podcast. You have a podcast coming up, right? I do. Yeah. So I, I currently have a podcast that's called love and loss. And my, my first two years of that podcast were focused on miscarriage women who had suffered from a miscarriage and were struggling to get through that. And as my own journey evolves, as I've made my way through infertility and my three losses and have embraced my childless journey, I really am starting to pivot 
my business, my podcast, everything towards childless women as well. So there are certainly women who've had a loss in that group, but there's also women who have maybe entered childlessness because they never found the right partner or they did find a partner, but that person didn't want kids or there's a multitude of reasons that someone lands in, in childlessness. And what I learned is that all the triggers, the pain, it's, it's the same for all of us. So I really wanted to open that up a little bit more to a broader audience. And so my podcast is pivoting. It's going to be called Awakening Worth. By the time you air this, we'll have a few episodes out on that. And my whole business will really be focused on helping childless women develop that sense of self-worth to drop the feelings of inadequacy and not fitting in. So they too, we all too, can lead the joyful, fulfilling lives that you talk about in your in your intro. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the name of the podcast, everybody, is going to be Awakening Worth. You can also find Sherry on Instagram at awakening.worth, W-O-R-T-H. And now tell us about the free gift. Yes. So I have developed a quiz. It takes two minutes. It will help you uncover whether your sense of self-worth is helping you to heal or hindering or blocking you from healing and living your joyful child-free life, because it can feel more like a child-free life than a child-less life. So when you take that quiz, you'll get a full breakdown of your results. And then you'll also get my free PDF download, which is my secrets for living for embracing a child-free life. So that can be found at sherryjohnson.ca slash quiz. And Sherry is S-H-E-R-I. So www.sherryjohnson.ca forward slash quiz. Yes. Right. Okay. And everything's in the show notes, everybody. All the information is in the show notes. So always, as I always ask, please read the show notes because not only are the things that we discussed on this episode in the show notes, Sometimes I find interesting articles and I don't always get to put them in the Facebook page, but there are some articles that I come across, you know, during my time online that I I think you might find interesting. There's one article in there, right? Well, I'll let you look at the show notes. (laughs) Just let you look at the show notes and look at the articles. I'll, I'll leave it like that. But Sherry, I want to thank you so very much for this time that you spent with us today. This was so informative, so truly helpful. I mean, I've been on this journey for a number of years, but I don't think we ever stop learning or stop getting better. So I really feel like this episode was a help to me as well. I want to thank you very much for your time today and for everybody out there listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to reach out to Sherry, again, information is in the show notes. If you want to reach out to me, my contact information is in the show notes. And until next time, have a great one. Bye.